Interstate Batteries offers a wide variety of batteries for your everyday needs. Stop into one of their thousands of retail locations and talk with a battery specialist about batteries for your truck, trail cameras, and even those weird batteries for your rangefinder. Interstate Batteries even offers cell phone repair in certain locations. For more information, visit interstatebatteries.com. Interstate Batteries, outrageously dependable. Ladies and gentlemen, children of all ages, welcome to the Hunting Gear Podcast. I'm your host, Dan Johnson, and today I am joined by another podcaster, a friend of mine, Dan Matthews of the Nomadic Outdoorsman, and we are going to be talking about Christmas gift ideas for the serious hunter. Uh, We cover boots, we cover optics, we cover weapons, we cover uh, hunting apps that uh, a subscription to a hunting app uh, things like that it's a really good conversation about gifts maybe that you can tell your wife that you want or your parents that you want or if you have you're kind of blanking out and what to buy your brother or your dad or uh, another uh, hunter in your life this is an episode that you need to listen to Uh, i would consider myself a serious hunter i know dan He's not only a serious hunter, but he's a multi-serious, multi-species hunter as well. And so he hunts everything from the whitetails in the Midwest all the way up to the high country, elk and mule deer. So um, listen to what he has to say. Listen to what I have to say. Put it in your brain, rattle it around, and then, I don't know, go buy something. So <laughs> so um, that's what today's episode is about. I Christmas is right around the corner. Right, and so we're all looking for these these gift ideas. I want to mention two gift ideas right now that the, that we did not cover in this episode, uh, and one of them is a partner of this podcast, and that is Code Blue. Okay, Code Blue Sense. You can go to codebluesense.com and check out all of their products, including their their real and synthetic deer urines. You can check out their man. What is it? Um, Oh, they're scent elimination products, right? Whether you you are the kind of person who likes sprays or clothing or or, uh, uh, clothing detergents, laundry detergents, uh, body washes and soaps and uh, other scent elimination sprays, other elimination, scent elimination products like that. But if I could put one product in every stocking, every serious hunter stocking, it would be the Rope-A-Dope system from code blue scents okay um it's a pre-orbital gland scent that you smear on a on a blue rope hang it in the woods and what does that do the deer come to investigate it right it's almost like a, a mock licking branch and what they smell that they will come to that they will investigate it they may not lay a scrape underneath of it but the smell makes them curious and therefore uh, they come in and what do you have right in front of that you have a trail camera and that trail camera can take a you know take a picture and you're just collecting inventory of every single deer that uh, is running that woodlot that field edge whatever the case may be so go check out codebluesense.com enter the discount code nfc20 for 20 percent off the next uh the next one that I want everybody to go check out is my brand new company, FullSneakGear.com. And FullSneakGear.com is right now it's an apparel company, uh, clothing clothing company. It's got it, it's basically T-shirts for serious deer hunters, man. Uh, we have one, two, three, four, five, six, six T-shirts available right now. Actually, probably seven by the time this comes out. And then we got a, a crew neck sweatshirt coming out. We have two sets of stocking caps. We have the official Nine Finger Chronicles uh, hat, black hat. I call it the date night hat. And so go to fullsneakgear.com, check it out, and that's it, man. That's that's what I wanted to say. That's what uh, that's what we talk about in today's episode. So go check out the partners of this podcast. Go check out all the brands that uh, we talk to, and put down a. a a serious hunter's Christmas list of your own, hand it to your wife and say, 
I expect every one of these products, including the e-bike that we discuss, <laughs> under the tree this Christmas. So, so uh, I wouldn't do that. I, I wouldn't recommend that. Anyway, good vibes in, good vibes out, and I will talk to you next week, man. All right, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another Hunting Gear podcast episode. And today I am joined by the nomadic outdoorsman himself, Mr. Dan Matthews. Dan, what's up, man? Dude, not a lot. It's cold outside today. I'm uh, I'm hoping to get out and kill something soon. It's been a rough year so far, but but it's just like bluebird weather all yeah. the time down here. No oh. rut activity. Didn't I literally didn't have a buck chasing on camera a single time this year. Wow. That blows my mind, man. Uh, yeah. And the, the thing about it is I heard the same thing from hundreds of people. Now, I don't know what that means because hunters are usually like pretty pessimistic when it comes to what they're seeing, right? So all yeah. oh, the, the rut sucks or this sucks, you know what I mean? But I keep hearing people say that my stepdad he hunts first season shotgun here in Iowa, and he has said that this has been the worst season. He's usually tagged out by now. Him and his uh, yeah. sons and his daughter-in-law, they're usually tagged out. But this year, he says, I haven't even had a, a deer within shooting range yet. And so oh some of that, we believe, is EHD. Uh, some of it is maybe low not. I don't know. It's just an absolute crazy rut, crazy uh, leading into the shotgun season. I'm I'm personally hoping for about two feet of snow within the next yeah. <laughs> within the next couple of weeks. But um, other than that, man, how like how has your season been overall? It's been, man, it's been a weird season. A lot of flukes, a lot of hiccups. Uh, my first buck that I shot at, my arrow like my knock and my arrow detached as soon as it left my bow yeah my arrow went one way my knock went the other way oh man no still no idea what happened um went up to wisconsin shot a big buck on a public island floated in in my canoe uh that up there man i saw a ton of rut activity this was october 9th i had bucks like death fighting each other wow and I couldn't believe it, but anyways, arrowed a buck up there, brought in a tracking dog, bumped it multiple times. I mean, I only had a limited amount of time up there, spent four days looking for it, and went back up during rifle season, opening day. I was like, if I don't shoot this buck, somebody's going to shoot it, and I'd like to at least lay hands on it. Mm -hmm. Well, five minutes into the hunt, shot a different buck, great buck, went out in the cattails, died. I went and recovered it, heard two other shots, and then heard hunters talking, went over there, and they ended up killing that buck I shot with my bow. Oh, my so, God. How big was he? Was he a stud? He was a stud. He was a chocolate rack 10. I mean, like, he, he wasn't just a monster. I would say 140, 145-inch deer. Um, I got video of my shot on him, and, I mean, I've watched that video 100 times since just didn't get penetration and after seeing what happened he was at 40 i set my pins for 36 knowing that he would duck he ducked his elbow came up and covered his vitals went through the arm so like you know when they yeah, load up to, they load like, yeah to spring away yeah he loaded up and i just didn't account for that i didn't account for anything covering i mean it, it hit the pocket right where i wanted it to but his joint but his joint came up oh my god and it went into that and as he bounded away i could see full movement of the arrow i mean it was going down to the ground up five feet in the air so i knew there was no penetration and then i got to actually look at the injury once i once i went and talked to those hunters it did it went through the arm and uh poked into the rib cage but not into the chest cavity like it broke skin yeah. and fat and muscle and that was it Man, that's tough, man. I've been there. Hey, I was there this year with you. Yeah. Um, yep. Fortunate enough, I actually just got trail camera pictures this morning of my of that buck that I shot. So he's still alive. I'm hoping the nice. shotgun hunters don't get to him, and I'm hoping that I can go out uh, muzzle this late season muzzle loader and uh, go go after him. But I got to ask you a question. Yeah. So this was just pure pure circumstance that it 
you know, he loaded, you did everything right. He loaded, the elbow came up, kind of blocked the vitals. What broadhead were you using? I was using a Rage Hypodermic. Okay. All right. Yep. Now, here's the other question, the follow-up question, and it's not against Rage or anything. Do you feel like if you were shooting a fixed blade, we'd be having a different conversation right now? We could be. Um, I think it's more, I don't think it was like a punch-through issue as much as it was. Watching it back, it just looked like he loaded up and I think it was almost a pinch of the arrow. Like as the arrow was coming in, his whole arm came up and also pinched it and yeah. almost slowed like it the down. The leverage of it just like completely slowed it down. I got because only only one side of my broadhead, uh, only one blade of my broadhead was bent or chipped or anything. I mean, like it was just a little bit tweaked, if yeah. you know what I mean. Like when I found it, and so it didn't even fully catch bone and so i'm like there's no reason it shouldn't have gone all the way through right other than looking back at the video i think what happened is it started to enter and his arm came up and it just completely pinched it and didn't didn't allow it to go any farther okay all right so i'm not switching yeah if that answers it yeah i'm gonna keep using them i've never had an issue with them um i smoked a coyote from my missouri stand i haven't shot anything missouri with my bow this year aside from a coyote and uh had yeah it's just been a wild year man i had high hopes and i still do i'm gonna i'm gonna get out there and try to knock something down here yeah hey man there's still plenty of time when does missouri's season end i i think it's january 15th okay so So, yeah you got some time yet yeah yeah all right you're i know you you're a bit of a gear nut kind of kind of the same same as me. I like to tinker. I like to try new products. I like to, um, at the same time though, like you said, with your broadheads, you're not going to change because you like them. You're confident in them. Yep. Same, same with certain products for me and Christmas is right around the corner. And, uh, I, I want to talk about three or, you know, a handful of different products that w- we would recommend to listeners, or maybe if we, if we had unlimited funds, we could buy these for every listener out there and uh and give them a special surprise let's let's start that uh, conversation i'm going to pass the ball to you and i want you to go ahead and and talk about the first product that you would recommend for uh uh, as a christmas gift for a not a part-time hunter but a serious hunter so i'm going with a good pair of binos yeah like that is number one i feel like if you don't have a good set of optics you might as well not be out there i've been in the stand i've been on the mountain plenty of times where i've seen things and it's like i used to have the cheap you know tasco walmart purchase Mm -hmm. binos i grew up using those and in wisconsin i could get away with it you know 70 yards away but now that i hunt bigger country anything farther out even for just scouting, for looking at waterfowl, for looking at turkeys, you just have to have good binos no matter what you're doing. And yep. so right out of the gate, that's what I would say. Is, I personally use the Fury uh, range-finding binos, the Fury 5000s okay. from Vortex. Absolutely love them. It eliminates me having to carry around a uh, rangefinder as well. It's all in one. So I've been using those, man, three or four years. Yeah. And if I could get everybody a pair of range finding binos, I 100% would. Dude, that sound, that's awesome. I know Vortex. I know that they're an awesome brand because I had that. I had binos on my list as well. But how much is a pair of range finding binoculars? I think they were, I want to say they're around 1200 bucks. Okay. Okay. I think that's right. And I'd have to do some research. It's been a while since I bought them. And do you remember what the magnification is on those? Yeah, it's 10 power. Um, 10 by 42? all of their, yeah, 10 okay. by 42. And I think all of their range finding binos are that because they actually came out with another set, which I almost got. Um, it's got ballistic compensation built into it. So if you're rifle hunting, you can load all of your data into your binos. Oh, wow. 
And then when you range, it tells you what to adjust your scope to. But I actually have custom turrets on my scope, so I don't actually need that feature. Yeah. And so I'm like, you know, I'm not going to switch yeah. just to say that I have it. That's badass, man. That's that's yeah. badass. Um, I'm going to take it a different direction with binos. And so Vortex, again, same company. Uh, it's, it's a, I mean, they're just uh, an amazing company to work with. Uh, the reason I say that is because they're participants in whatever activity, right? So you can yeah. call up, you can call up Vortex and say, Hey, I'm going on an elk hunt. I'm going on a deer hunt. I'm doing this. I'm doing that. And you can talk with someone who has done those things and they can make yeah. the best suggestion. At the same time, I think Vortex might be one of the number one binoculars for bird watchers in the United States. Oh yeah. And I so, never thought about that. Yeah. And so people who love watching birds and other, other wildlife, they have people there that they can talk to. Okay. So customer service out of the way. My, my recommendation was going to be, if you're a serious hunter and you have kids, then you want to get your kids as involved as possible in hunting so that they can come with you. Right. I, I know you got kids. You're at some point, you're going to want them to participate. I got kids. My, my daughter's already stepping in to it. And uh, vortex has just come out with a pair of uh, binoculars basically fitted for kids it's a starter it's a starter binocular basically same same high quality same vip warranty um with vortex but it's smaller it's uh like it's like i think it's 99 bucks and so yeah. it's not the opposite spectrum of price and it, it would just be a, a product that a kid with the durability of vortex that they can use like man for several several years until they decide to bump up yeah i so those exact binoculars i got a pair for each of my kids yes and what's funny is i could probably walk through the house and find lens caps in every room (laughs) you know the harness in every room they wear them around like it's a purse i mean they just everywhere we go if i say we're going on a drive they want to have them they bring them on all the road trips and they've only had them for about a month but it's, it's funny because when you do buy kids' equipment, they want to use it. Right. You know, it's one thing to look at the light switch down the hallway, mm-hmm. but it's a totally different thing when you actually get them looking at an animal through them. Right. So. And one of our, fa- like, one of, I don't know if it's our whole family's thing, favorite thing to do, but one of my favorite things to do is August time frame, deer in velvet, they're in the beans, and we drive yeah. around, and now all the kids aren't fighting over mine. They all have their own. And so I'm, I'm really looking forward to doing that with my daughter, especially. And she has, I got her those. And so, um, yeah, so, uh, I don't know, man, I, it, that, that's a great product, uh, for adults and kids and for a serious yeah. hunter to, to elaborate on what you said, especially if you're spreading your wings and you're going into different hunting scenarios outside, let's say I was born and raised a deer hunter. All right. Yep. Outside of that it's great to have a very high quality uh, pair of optics for Western hunts, elk, you know, it all transitions. So I would say that uh, it's like binoculars or personally, it'd probably be my number two product that I would highly recommend spending money on and, or just having a really high quality pair. Yeah. Yeah. I, I heard it years ago, like the, the quality of your optics can directly translate to how successful you are on a hunt. Yeah. I mean, I've I've looked through other people's binos before, and I'm like, dude, there could be a deer standing in the wide open, and I wouldn't <laughs> be able to see it. Right. Versus <laughs> me, like, I'm comfortable with my binos. I've got them focused for my eyes. You know, I, yep. I focus my right eye, left eye, make sure everything's perfectly dialed in. And I do that at the start of every hunt, whether I just climbed up in a tree, mm-hmm. whether I just got out West, if I glass a new spot, you know, I'm making sure I'm focused wherever I've seen, I've seen field mice running on the side of a mountain Yep. all, I mean, across the Valley, yep. I've caught elk at 1100 yards because I saw a leg move under a cedar tree Yep. and you can't do that unless you have good optics. Absolutely. And so it's like, obviously go with, the price range that you can afford but vortex i i haven't used a single pair that i haven't liked so far right yep 
that was kind of a shout out to Vortex. We were, we were hyping. It was. Yeah, we were hyping them up. I feel like I, <laughs> I feel like I sing their praises all the time because yeah. it, it's. I mean, it is good for entry level for every level, and I can't say anything negative about the other big optics companies because I just haven't. Like I haven't yeah. used them, you know. Yeah, I've had a couple in the past. I've had some Nikon's in the past. I've had I've had a pair of uh, Leupold's in the past, and they're okay. Don't get me wrong; it's not like they're dog shit. But yeah, I just I know a ton of people from Vortex. I I'd rather use their products on just about every, you know on anything than yep. you know. And full disclosure, they they're partners with the Nine Finger Chronicle side of things. So yep. You know, I've, I've, I've got a relationship with them. So, all right, um, Binos, I don't need to talk about that anymore because you brought it up. What's your next product that you would uh, recommend? So, for me, it's a hunting knife. Yeah, dude. Like, I've, the same thing. It's all it's all trial and error, and I've discovered, like, Havilon, yep. that tiny little pocket knife you can do literally everything with. I've last year I think in two blades I helped quarter and on some of them debone five elk with two blades with two blades Dang. two blades and I mean two of them were on the same day. actually two different times it was on the same day yeah. but I'm like you can't beat them on the mountain it mm-hmm. it weighs nothing right it's smaller than most pocket knives and you have the razor edge you can you know, doing deer in Wisconsin, doing elk out there, doing squirrels, rabbits, turkey, you name it. I haven't found a better knife. And I know there's a lot of replaceable knife mm-hmm. uh, or replaceable blade knife companies, but Havilon's the one that I started with. And same thing. I won't yeah. switch from it. I do everything with it. Yeah. Hey, that's great, dude. I, I am a huge fan of that, uh, that as well. I am. God, what do I use? I use uh, what's the other brand? Uh, Outdoor Edge. Uh, yep, outdoor dude, edge. I I have one of their kits where it's got uh, it's got the replaceable blade in it, the replaceable blade portion of the knife. And it has a miniature bone saw built into it, and no uh, way, yeah, and a gut hook in it. So it's so you know you can you can rip all the way up to this, however far you want on the guts, or if you want uh, if you're backcountry hunting, let's say you shoot a mule deer, you can cape. You can do that gutless method where you can cape them all the way from the yep. tail to the to the base of the antlers and pull them apart that way, and still save the cape. And that that gut hook is just butter up up there uh, cutting high. I need to check that out. I didn't know I didn't know any of the companies made that. Yeah. I'm not like so like Havlon's just what I started with. It's, right. I've had no reason to switch. Uh, when I went to Wisconsin for Thanksgiving my mom's husband he had like a fillet knife mm-hmm. i mean it was a full-on i don't know how long the blade was but it was it was a havilon product and i was like no way yeah. and apparently all these companies are making extra blades that you can purchase but that's the one thing i that's the one thing i've always wanted on that knife is like a bone saw so that i could cut through the yeah. pelvis of a deer and not have to do like the you know circle the butt with the blade method yep. and pull everything out yep that's what i do man i cut the pelvis break it break it apart and then i bring the guts down and then i gross but i use my finger through that i guess you would call it the anal cavity and just rip all all that all that right out um if that if it's a like my buck it's sometimes it's hard that because that bone saw is only uh three or four inches long okay and so sometimes it's hard to get it started so usually this year I pull out my tree saw. It's a wicked tree gear saw and it's uh and it's a big blade. I mean it's a it's for cutting wood, but it cuts yeah. the bone just as easy and I, that's what I used this year to when I got when I was gutting my buck. Dang. Yeah. yeah, I I typically do have a tree saw with me. I got to start thinking more about that. Yep. I mean, I've just got to the point now where on deer I'm so used to just kind of doing the whole like outline the anal cavity with the knife yep. and then just pull everything through that way. I've never really used the butt out tool. Neither um, have I. I know people swear by it, but I just, I'm like, I've, 
I, I'm the kind of guy, if I find something that I like, I just stick with it. Yeah. It's the same thing with food. My wife and I go to the same two restaurants in town every <laughs> same, single day night. Same so. here. Same here. Yeah. Uh, and they're like, same thing? I guess. Yeah. 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 Yep. yeah. The usual. The usual. Yep. It's, it's bad when people know you by name. Exactly. Um, all right. So a good hunting knife. I agree 100%. What's, what's one of the next products that you want to chat about? Boots. Yep. Boots are, I think, right up there with optics. If you don't have good boots, I mean, listen, you can get away with it if you're going to your back 40, climbing a stand, not going very far. But if it's somebody who likes to get out and try new things, even rabbit and squirrel hunting, like you're putting miles on if you're doing it. And if you don't have good footwear, you're screwed. I would, I have yet, I take this back, one time, I ruined a hunt because of bad footwear. My mom was like, hey, I've got this pair of, I don't even remember, maybe Rocky boots or something like that. Probably steel, like, a steel-toed boot or some work boot yeah. or something like that, yeah. Yeah, it was just colder than I expect. I was expecting, I can't remember what happened to my boots, but I take hers out there. She's like, oh, these are really good boots. She's like, I've just had them in the garage for forever. They haven't been used, whatever. And so I go and I put them on. I'm like, oh, dang, these actually fit pretty well. I get... I'm I'm talking I'm hunting 10 acres into a 40 acre chunk up in Wisconsin and I sit down and I look down and the entire insulated portion of my foot like the toes are sticking out of the front of the boot. I mean it's split <laughs> at the sole and the leather and I'm like what the heck and it's funny because I didn't even feel it my ankles were tightened so much yeah. and I only had a short walk but I sat down then I look at the other boot and I literally like one pound of pressure peeled the whole thing apart. Yeah. And I ended up going and buying brand new boots that day yeah. at Shields. So, yeah. Dude, that's my number one. That is my number one yeah. product for any serious hunter is a pair of boots. Okay. So I just bought a pair of Crispy Colorados in uh, August. I want to say August or July this year. I wore them hiking to break them in. You know, I wore them while I was mowing the yard to break them in, uh, shooting my bow, break them in. But my previous pair of Krispies lasted me, I want to say, five total seasons, man. That's Dang. and 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 all all the boots that I've had before that. So before that, I had another pair of Krispies, but before that, I had a pair of are they Danner pronghorns? I think they're yeah, Danner yeah, pronghorns. Danner, Danner pronghorns. I had those for two seasons, but then after the second season, they started to fall apart. And yep. I, I, I will admit that I am a really hard and tough on my equipment. Like if I need something moved, I'll kick it or I'll you know drag my foot across <laughs> it or you know whatever. Bad for the boot. Yep. But I never had that problem with any of, any of my crispies. And so, um, foot care it, matched with the right sock is very important and and so that's why i put uh like it's like one is boots one b one a is boots one b is socks and so yeah that's boots are number one man gotta have a good pair of boots do you do a liner or do you just go with like your insulated sock or like your wool sock yeah it really depends on the hunting scenario so for me let let's say with it being hunting like okay I have an uninsulated boot. I wear a light sock early season. You know, no, you're, yep. you know your feet aren't going to get cold, right? They may get a little warm depending on your sock if you're going to do long hikes in hot weather. No big deal. Even up until, you know, mid-season, that high of 50 type day, I'm not wearing, you know, or maybe let me take that back. Low of 30, high of 50 type day where it's not below freezing. I probably won't be wearing too heavy of a sock too heavy of a boot but once it gets cold then i will wear a big thick like a wool or alpaca sock and 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 so it's more at that point it's the same boot it's just a different sock yep yeah i use the same boots for everything i've got the kenetrek non-insulated and i i mean it's the same exact scenario. I switch out my socks depending on how cold it is. I don't change out boots. Yep. The only the only time I wear a different boot is if I'm like doing real muddy work or 
you know, I'm duck hunting yep. a, a flooded field. Um, if I'm not wearing waders, I'm just wearing like lacrosse alpha burleys, yep. 1600 gram. Those are my like super cold, super wet, trudging three snow boot. Yep. Um, but if I'm actually hunting, if I'm pursuing instead of like sitting and waiting for animals, I'm using those kind of tricks. Yeah. Yep. That's the same. Now, the only time I'm wearing rubber boots and I feel like I've beat this to death on any podcast that I talk about gear on is if I have to cross a creek. outside yeah. of that, I'm not wearing, you know, I'm, 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 I'd rather wear boot covers than I would wear, um, uh, you know, if I'm sitting in a tree stand and it's, you know, below freezing or something like that, then I'm wearing boot covers instead of a big insulated pair of, pair of boots. Yeah. I made the mistake, uh, Man, it would have been three seasons ago, I think. We, when I elk hunt, I mean, we go to spots for for rifle season where we're driving forty five minutes to an hour and a half on four wheelers or side by sides every morning. Yep. So I mean, I'm I'm completely decked out like I'm snowmobiling. Yep. Right. I've got big pants. I've got the thickest and most weatherproof layers on, and I'll wear those uh, lacrosse boots. Mm -hmm. And then when I get there, I just pull my Kenetrex out, take my boots off, put them in the back. Yep. One day we got out to the end of this road and I look over and we see elk immediately. Mm -hmm. I mean, like there's Time 75 elk down in the bottom. So we're all like, Hey, let's move down the ridge, get eyes, see if we can find a big bull. And we get down there and all of a sudden I look back and there's three bulls that were 50 yards underneath the side by side where we parked it. Mm -hmm. They were just hanging out there and they weren't going to move aside from the fact that we walked out on this finger and now they could see us. Yeah. They end up working all the way down in the bottom. I shoot one. I shoot one of the bulls at 671. I think it was. We end up going down there and I was just in the zone. Didn't think anything of it. And I'm talking like probably a thousand twelve hundred foot uh elevation change down to the bottom of this valley and we get down there and i realize that i've got those lacrosse boots on and oh i've got to pack God. an elk out and i'm like you've got to be kidding me dude i didn't take bare, them off i'd almost go barefoot i mean jesus that would suck oh dude i was so i was so annoyed and i'm sitting there like the whole time we're we're uh quartering this elk out i'm just thinking like my life is gonna really suck i'm gonna tear my feet apart yeah and we get we get a radio uh call from some of the other hunters they're like hey who got one down we're up by the side by side i'm like bring my boots bring my boots go in the tote on the back of my four-wheeler <laughs> grab my boots and they're like wait what 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 are you wearing and i'm like i've got rubber boots that are almost up to my knees and they're like oh man so they ended up bringing them down i had to pack those freaking <laughs> rubber boots out but it's way better than hiking out no that's dude yeah that would suck man um all right boots let's say we talk binos hunting knives boots what's the next one okay so the next thing on my list is a subscription to a mapping software that's a perfect don't care don't care what it is i personally use onyx i love it i've got all my waypoints saved but a mapping software is like if you can't be on the ground scouting glassing like you can you can almost i talked to a guy at clifton denny we hunted this this year up in wisconsin together he's like if you show me a public land chunk i can zero you in within a couple acres probably yeah. of where a big buck's gonna be yeah just by looking at the map i'm not that good with it but i use it a lot just to get access to properties around here I use it for when I go out west, if I want to find a new spot, if I want to find a good point to glass from. Mm -hmm. You just can't go wrong with with using your electronics to scout for you. Yeah, absolutely. I, I imagined on some of these places, what would happen if I lost my phone on one of these hunts? And I'm back in, yeah. the, you know, because I, I have to walk three miles back uh, in, on some of these places or I go three miles back. Uh, I've been to a scenario where I'm two miles back, set up camp, then go another mile, mile and a half in. The one day I was from the camp, I was two and a half miles back. And and so lose your phone in unfamiliar territory. Shit, dude. You've never scouted there. You've never been there before. Yeah. You're 
you could you could get lost even in in a relatively yeah. small piece of public property you know hunting but dude onyx is really really easy to use man and uh it is it's one of the best for a reason and uh, i'm a huge fan yeah. of it. and i've used um hunt stand i've used onyx i've used there's another one out there that i've used before go hunt go hunt or not go hunt no it's uh it was a different one uh i think it's changed names recently anyway um all of them had their own place but onyx i believe i i feel onyx has the the most crossover for a whitetail hunter and a uh, a whitetail hunter and a, a guy who wants to go out west right so it's easy for both to to use there's not a ton of other yeah. extra stuff that you have to do when you turn it on the map pops up you don't have to yep. choose a map you don't have to you know pick where you know what what you want to see it just automatically pops up you can pick satellite you can pick uh hybrid you can pick no topo whatever you know whatever it is and Man, it, it, I feel it works really, really good. Yeah, I think, I mean, I don't have really any experience with the other yeah. companies, but I just, I find little things all the time that I didn't know about with Onyx, or like I'll hear somebody talking about it, and I'll be like, dude, you can't do that. Yeah. The the two-finger thing, you click your two different fingers on your on your map mm -hmm. and it will automatically give you the distance between the those two oh points. yeah that's badass i had i had no idea and i was like dude this is brilliant like i need this all the time i look at a spot and i'm like okay how far across is that like how much do i have to wade through uh cattails in order to get to my spot or you know how far is it to actually get back to where these guys have a bull down yep. and i'm gonna go and help them yep. um things like that now the um I didn't use it this year because it seemed like we were just on the go all the time. But the the feature where you can actually click a spot and then see what all you can glass around it. Oh yes, that, that feature is brilliant, and uh, I can't wait to actually use it. Yeah, right. So you're saying, well, I saw a deer here yesterday. I don't want to go in there yet because I might spook them. So I need to find a point to where I can glass down in there. And without yep. that technology, you have to be there in order to say, okay, well, shit, I can't because this ridge is blocking it. So I got to go to the op opposite side of the valley or a different point to glass down in there. And so, yeah, dude, that's pretty badass. Yeah. Spartan Forge, I believe, I wonder... has some really, really cool shit too, like um, late uh, LIDAR on theirs now where you can see just every single crack and crevice in the like because satellite imagery can only go so far topple lines can only yep. go so far but lidar allows you to see cracks and crevices and little benches in between that stuff where these deer like to Dang. especially for mule deer hunting right i mean how often do you see a mule deer just tucked in someplace yep and and you wouldn't be able to see it see that feature without that type of technology and so uh dude uh spartan forge they they're doing some great some crazy stuff too i'll i'll have to check that out did you do you know what company it is there's a company now that they've partnered with an optics company and i wish i knew the names of both but they've got a bino that hooks to your mapping software and or rangefinder and when you range an object it drops a pin of where you just ranged onto your mapping software that's uh very intriguing I have not heard that. So I I heard about this actually, I think it was a year, year and a half ago at the Western Hunt Expo. I was talking to somebody about it. Yeah. And they're like, dude, you got to check these two brands out. And I don't, I don't remember. I know it wasn't Vortex for the optic or for the rangefinder, but I don't remember what optic company it is and i don't remember it was either spartan forge or go hunt i feel like it was one of those two well i'll have to go check that out make a note here check that out okay but i'm like that's that's an awesome i i figure yeah. you know with all of the technology it seems like a year or two later every company has that same technology yep but to have that like you shoot a deer and you're like okay 
I just shot a deer with my rifle, a mule deer, a whitetail, whatever, at 130 yards. You drop, you range that, and it drops a pin. Now you know where to s start looking for blood, mm -hmm. especially for western hunting. You get down into some of these places, or shed hunting. You know, you glass a shed, and you get down there, and you're like, okay, it's near this burnt tree. Mm -hmm. Well, now you get down there, and there's 15 of them that you didn't see, and you're yeah. like, I don't know which one to start looking for exactly. or looking near. Exactly, man. So, that's that's a great point. Great point. All right, mapping software. Lots of them to go check out. Do your research. Next product. Okay. My next product is an adapter. And an adapter. An adapter for your phone, to your binos, to your spotting scope, to whatever. Okay. I use the Olin, I think it's pronounced Olin, magnetic adapter. And that just allows me to record everything. Because I would say camera. I love to document stuff. I love to bring action cameras out. I love to have a drone out. I love all of that stuff. But this essentially eliminates a lot of that equipment. I use my phone for everything. I mean, I, I video through my spotting scope all the time when I'm hunting. Mm -hmm. I video through my binos all the time. If I'm out scouting new areas or, like you said, looking at deer in soybean fields when they're all bachelored up, I can't tell you how many times I've had my binos hooked to my window mount. I've got my phone on them. Now everybody in the car can see the same thing I'm seeing. Okay, what is the name of the company? It's O-L-L-I-N. Olin. Uh, cell phone adapter? Yeah, yeah, you can just look up cell phone adapter. And then it's, I switched to magnetic. I used to use phone scope. Yep. I I had, I think my GoPro mount for it busted, like the heat. I don't know what material they make it out of or 3D printed out of, but it just like basically shattered. And then the connection on everything else, I just didn't care for a whole lot. So I heard about this company and I was like, dude, I'm going to give it a go. I switched and I will never go to anything other than magnetic uh, connection. Okay. can You can use it on a spotting scope as well, right? Yep, spotting yep. scope, binos, and the case for it is thin. I mean, it's just like your normal phone case. I carry it around in my pocket. If I'm out hunting, I literally had my phone in that case my entire elk season this year. Okay. Same thing with whitetail season in Wisconsin. Okay. I'm going to – I'm right there, I've been looking for this. I can't believe I haven't found it before, and I'm going to buy one probably as soon as we get off of the phone today nice yeah dude. yeah we we did it i can't tell you so i uh we got on a bear in colorado this year and a second group of our guys they were at a spike camp down this ridge line a couple miles in they were packing out two bulls and they came up to the road where we were glassing this bear everyone's trying to find this bear i mean binos are out in every hunter's hands and two other people could find it they came over to me with my spotter, with my phone. I zoomed out on my phone. That's the other thing. You get extra magnification. I mean, I could see this bear blinking from 1,100 yards. Yeah. Like, it's unbelievable when you have 60 power on your spotter and then you can zoom in another 20 power on your phone. Yep. We could see every detail. And so they all came over. I zoomed out. They immediately knew where to look with their binos at that point. Yeah. So I, I let that do the glassing for me, too. Yeah, because you know how it goes. You're sitting there with your binos on your eyes all day long. Eventually, you get that eye fatigue. Mm -hmm. You start getting a mild headache. Now you just put it on your phone in front of you and sit back. Yep. So. Yep. Great point. That's a great. That's a great gift. Um, I'm gonna I'm gonna lead off with one this time, and yeah. it is. <laughs> it's like I I don't even want to say it. Because it just is like you spoiled private land hunter type product. But at the same yeah. time, it has a ton of benefits out west in, in public. But it's not cheap, okay? Uh, and it is an e-bike, right? Yeah. I wish I could give everybody an e-bike uh, for, for multiple reasons. At, at the, most, the most important is obviously access, right? Yeah. Uh, and even in the Iowa private land whitetail spots that I hunt access is still important access routes are still important um, being able to go through a property uh, 
whether the deer have the advantage and they see you, right? And I talk about this in a previous uh, Nine Finger Chronicles podcast, and that is I could walk I could walk through this gate opening and the deer would see me and they'd run away. They, they get spooked. Yep. But I could drive my truck or I could drive this e-bike in there and they would just straight up look at me. And then they would mm-hmm. either bed. I mean, this year I drove by a bed buck, a bedded buck, who was probably oh, mm, 70 yards from me. No joke, 70 yards. Shooter shooter buck. And I, I ended up putting a stock on him, but I lost, I forgot where he was. So I took my e-bike back through again, turned around, oh, drove drove back again. All he did was watch me. All if I was no walk, if I was walking, he would have been gone. Oh yeah. Yeah. And so there's something about that like longer profile. Yep. They I don't know if it confuses them into thinking you're some type of animal, but you know, yeah. like every animal in North America is longer than it is tall. Right. And so like you you see that and they probably just think it's something on four legs. Exactly. Running. Whatever it is, they don't think it's a threat. You know what I mean? Yeah. And and same with like uh, a truck, right? So you you go in, you bump them. Let's, I mean, they're still going to run away if you get, like, really close to them. But it, it's what yeah. I call a soft bump, and they'll eventually work back in the area, or maybe they'll go 100 yards and chill out and calm down. You you walk up to them, and they see you, then they're toast, and you probably won't see them again that night. So yeah. uh, e-bike. And then for, like, even Western hunting, right? And and I, I hate to be that guy who is like, hey, make sure you use loopholes, you know, use some loopholes. There there are pieces yeah. of public property in states that do not allow uh, e-bikes on public land. However, they're still very gray. They're not black and white. And they're the one of the loopholes that I use in us in a couple states is the fact that if it, like uh, they say a motorized vehicle is, this much wattage if it's electric this much wattage and if it has a throttle like it's considered a motorized vehicle well i disconnect the throttle and my wattage is below a certain point therefore so then you pedal yep and so the engagement comes from pedaling that connects the motor that's considered a bicycle still still a motor on it but the lack of power and the the disconnected throttle means that it is so if you're bigger if you're older it still allows you a lot of uh, access um, if the terrain is kind of aggressive the downfall is if you're backcountry hunting then that e-bike has you know three days of battery life four days of battery yeah. life depending on how much you use it how what speed or what uh, power because if you use it on full power then you're it's going to go faster then if the more actual pedaling you do and you generate the power, then the battery will uh, last longer because it assists yeah. you less. But um, outside of that, you know, a four-wheeler, no, nothing, no four-wheeler, you know, no, no side-by-sides, no four-wheelers past this point. Well, I don't have a four-wheeler. I have a bicycle. And so yeah. maybe that's kind of a, a loophole shitty thing to do. But it's a it's not a law. It's not it's nothing that says e bikes are forbidden beyond this point. You yeah. know what I mean? And so I, I feel like eventually, I mean, especially with Western states, we see them lead with a lot of the bans that happen. Yeah. Right? Like right. trail cameras and you know, uh I feel like eventually you're gonna see that. Like no electronic bikes. Yeah. You're gonna see that it, pop it, it's up coming. all over the place. Yeah, it'll it'll but come. But my question is, what what bike do you have? Do you have a soft tail? Like, do you have front and rear suspension on yours? I, I have front suspension. I do not have okay. rear suspension. Uh, I have a quiet cat. It does get a little bit bumpy at times, but I have the ability to adjust the suspension and how rigid it is on the front with a, by a nice. little by a little knob. Okay. Yep. I so my wife got. She got a partnership with an e-bike company, and it's more of like a luxury or like beach cruiser mm-hmm. casual stuff. Definitely not meant for off-road. I took that out west uh, 
two seasons ago. Did you destroy it? Dude, I took I took it down one trail, like one ridge line, and I probably made it 300 yards. I'm like, I'm going to die on this thing. <laughs> it was so not I mean, it wasn't even a bad trail either. Yeah. And like you could you could do most things on this trail and it beat the crap out of me. My back was sore most of the week after that. My neck was sore. My arms were just numb. Like yeah. you know when you ride on a snowmobile or a dirt bike or something for a long time mm-hmm. and your hands just I mean, you don't have feeling in them. Yeah. It felt like that. And I was like, dude, I'm not doing this until I get a soft tail. Yeah. No, this is uh these are built to be abused. The one the one that I have. Good. And so uh, it's just, it's awesome because previous years without one, you know, you're, you're, you're walking three miles in by the time. And, and this may make me sound like a pussy or, you know, Oh shit, three miles. That's it to some guy who lives out West. But I live at th- like 300 feet elevation or something like <laughs> 1300 feet elevation. Okay. Yeah. And then I go to someplace, even 5,000 feet. I, when I go to Colorado, I'm at 10 to 11,000 feet. And so, yeah, it's nice to have a little bit of help climbing those hills and mountains and, and things like that. So uh, it's uh, it's definitely a benefit, something to think about. Uh, but I, I really enjoy it, and I enjoy using it uh, here at home, like driving it around town and going on a nice little Sunday cruise with it. Yeah, I I've thought about it. I'm like, man, if I had a good one, or even uh, some of the dirt bike companies are coming out with e dirt bikes. Oh yeah, I've I don't seen know those. if you've seen those. Yep. But I'm like, dude, if you had that, even <laughs> we've got one of those stupid little uh, baby carrier like tow behind trailer for the kids. Yep. And they're too big for it now. But I'm like, that'd be a perfect gear cart if I could like soup that up a little bit, make it a little oh, bit yeah. more rugged. Oh, because yeah. then I would buy two extra batteries for the e bike. I would just leave them in there. Now you can get out there and get back and have, you know, more battery to do whatever yep. on one charge. I think, I think our bikes are at like, I can't remember if it's 40 miles. I think it's around 40 miles on one charge. Yep. And so I'm like, you've got basically a whole week of hunting on this e-bike. If you just bring two batteries with, I can throw my pack in there. I can throw all my stuff. And so it's only a matter of time before the technology is just, it makes it so easy for yeah. guys to get back there. Yep. But even, even then there's a lot of Midwest hunters that I know that wouldn't be able to ride a bike oh, that far, yeah. you know, yep, absolutely. for those guys, just get them a gym membership for Christmas <laughs> instead of an e-bike. There you go. That's tough love right there. That's tough love. Yeah. Um, we got time for one more and then we're going to shut her down. Do you have one more product that uh, you'd like to talk about? Yeah, I would say a weapon. I mean, and and the reason I say weapon is because people feel more confident they hunt better when they have the right equipment. Right. And if you're if you're planning on, you know, going to an open state that you can rifle hunt with your thirty thirty lever action, you're probably not gonna be very successful, you know, during rifle season. Yep. You need the equipment that's right for the job. For me, I would I would go with the Browning rifle. I absolutely love Browning rifles. Mm-hmm. I fell in love with them a couple of years ago. I shot one. I was like, man, this thing's smooth. Ended up buying another and then another. And so if you're if you're going out west, I mean, any 300 caliber rifle can kill everything in North America that you want it to. Yeah. A 300, a 300 PRC, a 300 short mag, um, a 30 out six, 308, um, or a bow. You know bows are another big deal i didn't put a whole lot of i didn't put a whole lot of thought process into like how good of a bow you have to have until i watched a couple youtube videos the other day and this kid he had like three different bows and he's like let's see how much better they actually shoot for the price oh yeah and holy cow i've been under the impression for a long time that most people can't outshoot a cheap bow Mm -hmm. no more I'm like, dude, seeing the grouping, I mean, at 30 yards, a six-inch group versus a two-inch group, like that's the difference between wounding an animal and recovering an animal. So you're and you're saying that price reflects quality? 100%. I, okay. I think so. Yeah. You know, I haven't done all of these tests, but watching other people do them, I really do think you have to, especially with a, whatever 
is coming in contact with the animal or whatever equipment you're using to kill the animal, you need to spend the most on. Yeah. Yeah. And that it, makes... It's just, I had a, I had an old boss actually, big time hunter. And he said, whatever you do, never skimp out on your ammunition. Mm-hmm. And I was like, what? Like I buy, you know, Winchester federal, whatever they have available at Walmart, the white tail, it's got the deer yep. on it running yep. and like the expansion. And he goes, think about it, man. The only thing that actually makes contact with that animal is the bullet. Yeah. Why would you spend twelve hundred bucks on a rifle, fifteen hundred bucks on a scope, two hundred dollars on rings, a bipod, a sling, and then you get the cheapest Walmart ammo you can? Yeah. I was like, dude, I never really thought about that. Yeah. Ever since then, I've been. I did my research on all my rifles, found what ammo each one of them likes, and I just no matter what the cost that's what i'm shooting because i know it's going to be effective so yeah that makes great that's a that makes great sense uh and rifles are one of those things guns i mean not necessarily bows but firearms are those things where if you take care of it you're you're passing it down to your children or your grandchildren at some point yep. right and so um man for my dad has a single shot 22 rifle. Basically, it's like a little revolving door up top that you drop the bullet in and then you rotate it back shut. You oh co- my gosh. You cock it and it's got a, you know, a hammer on the back and then you pull the trigger it and then you rotate it out and you shake. You have to rotate the gun upside down to shake the bullet out, the the casing out. <laughs> And then you go and you put it back in again. And so um, we have fun whenever we go out there and, and mess around with it. But, yeah, I mean, if you take care of them, they'll last forever and you'll be able to pass them down to loved ones or sell them or whatever. Yeah, I mean, if you take care of them, they don't lose value either. Yeah. You know, like they will initially a little bit. But at the end of the day, you can have a 15-year-old gun and it's still worth 70% of what it was right. when you bought it. Right. If you take care of it. Right. And that's one of the things that I've always, I did that for my kids actually early on until my son was about four. I had bought him a, a gun every year for his birthday and for Christmas because I was like, he's going to walk out of the house with every gun he needs. Mm-hmm. He's going to have an awesome collection. Well, then we couldn't even pay our bills. And I ended up having to start selling his guns <laughs> off in order to pay our bills because we lived in Colorado where the prices are ridiculous. And so now that we're back in Missouri, I'm going to start doing that. But like having that stuff, I wish I had, you know, a 10, 15 gun collection that was a hand-me-down set from my grandpa or his dad or whoever. And so that's something that I definitely want to leave my kids, but also get them a BB gun to start, then a 22, then a 410, then, you know, a 223, then – and just work your way up and right. help help them learn the sport. Yeah, I know. I know. If you if you listen to the Nine Finger Chronicles uh, podcast, or even a little bit here on this podcast, uh, I voice my opinion about crossbows, right? Yeah. But I will say that I feel a crossbow would be an excellent gift for a kid. Uh, yeah. because it can, if you take care of it, be passed down to other kids and things like that. Um, and they can use it while they're growing up. It will allow them to feel more comfortable getting into t- any type of hunting situation. And maybe they'll get excited about transitioning into a, a bow or, I mean, shit in certain, you know, the, whatever state you're in, uh, you know, a crossbow could be one of those things that you just keep for, keep and hunt with for several years yeah i feel like i'm not a huge crossbow fan i get their application but now with like the air bows coming out oh yeah those things i'm like at what point do we just say this isn't archery anymore (laughs) just because it's shooting a bolt yeah instead of a bullet like or i mean even the air guns people shooting 50 caliber bb guns essentially mm-hmm. that are taking down wildebeest in africa i'm like holy yeah. cow yeah it's just all loopholes around the alternative method or the primitive season yeah and i don't know man when when you can shoot a deer with a air bow at 150 yards i'm kind of thinking okay is this really what they have this season for right. you know 
right? But and man, don't get me wrong, they're fun. Yeah, I would love, you know, I love shooting everything. I, dude, I'd shoot a, I'd shoot a deer with my slingshot if I knew it would kill it. Yeah, like I don't care. I have fun with that stuff. But as far as like the spirit of the rule, I'm like, <laughs> or it's it's the same it's thing with blurry. guys using. Yeah, they're using AR-15 pistols during alternative firearm season. Yeah, because it's technically a pistol, and I'm like, dude, you can. You can kill a deer at 300 yards with your AR-10, you know, chambered in 6.5, but it's just short, so now you can use it for an extended season. <laughs> that's that's a that's a discussion for another time. I mean, yeah, the lines are obviously getting blurred with all that stuff, but man, I I really appreciate you taking time out of your day to hop on and uh yeah. and chat with me about this and uh maybe we give some ideas to some guys who are looking for you know products to that they want to give to their wife you know or you know hey i'm interested in this or maybe a hunting buddy or your brother or father or, or old you know old enough son uh or daughter whatever that case may be so um man and good luck the rest of the season man thanks a lot yeah absolutely we're gonna get out there and try to kill something and Hopefully I at least see a mature buck in Missouri before the end of the season. That's that's like the first step and then to try to shoot one. See so, one thanks first. For having me. See one first, then shoot it. <laughs> yep. That's right. <laughs> <laughs>